Today we're talking about vision and discernment. And I feel like the Lord's been emphasizing that. And, oh, and it's been really hard kind of having a vision for the church. Because I felt like it was just really important that we had the Bible as our vision statement. But I feel like the Lord is opening it up. He's, he's pushing me to have a vision statement, to say what's important to our church. To say what's important for us now. And it came out of a talk of discernment. And even Wilma, like the scripture that you read this morning is a scripture that was actually informing today's sermon, even though that wasn't planned. I feel like God's just been quickening this idea about what is important for Maple Crest. And, um, and it, it, came like, it came out of talk, thinking and, and about all of the different decisions that have come in Maple Crest, you know, like coming to Park Theatre, setting up worship, um, you know, deciding about masks. All of these issues that have come up, I've had to kind of think them through and pray them through. And there's been a process that we've gone through, and I wanted to talk about that today. But it, it's um, also kind of, again, opened up my heart to vision. I don't think I could get any clearer on that until later in the sermon. Um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about with that was how important it is in discernment to, like people think discernment and they kind of think it's maybe, I don't know, bland um, or kind of like a not fun part of Christianity. But really, what you're doing when you're, when, you're, when you're engaging in discernment, spiritual discernment, is you are pondering the ways of God. You're trying to understand who he is and his heart and his personality, uh, what's important to him. And that then reshapes your mind and helps you to discern what is good or what is not good in moment by moment. And so as a, as a model of discernment, uh, I would speak, uh, I used Matthew 8, 5 to 13 as kind of a model. And this is the faith of the centurion passage. When he, Jesus, entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. And said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you. Many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, it has been done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. The centurion contemplated God. He spent time thinking about it. He spent time thinking about what was important to God and how God worked. Is he accurate? Lord, no. I don't think we will ever fully understand God on this side. And maybe, I actually believe that even in heaven, it's hard for me to believe that we will have space in ourselves to fully understand God even on the other side. I think the angels are still surprised at him. Is he more accurate? 
Is it just impressive that he sat back and believed enough in God to say, hmm, I wonder how God feels about this. I wonder how God works. I think God was impressed with that. So today I want to sit back and I just want to think about God. I want to think about his personality. And I want to think about how he functions and what's important to him. And from that, it helps us to know what we're supposed to do. And it helps us to know as a church what we're supposed to do. Ephesians 1, 16-17 I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray that you would give each of us supernatural wisdom, like you stopped, like you dropped it into that centurion. You gave him more understanding, more understanding of you, and it, and you marveled at it. Lord, I pray that you would marvel at our pondering. Amen. Now, the points here I'm going to make are actually fairly simple. And that's usually the way this kind of thing works. But then you go a little deeper and you can just keep swimming in it. So the first one is that some things are more important to God than others. Some things are more important to God than others. I think this is a foundational idea if you're trying to discern And it's an idea, I think, that so many people would agree with. They would just understand, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Like, that's the sum of the command that's more important than other things. But we often, Christians, will look at the Bible as being flat. We will say, every scripture is just as important as another scripture. If I was to say to you, for example, that the Sabbath isn't the most important thing, I'm wondering what emotions you're experiencing right now. To some of you, it might be like, yeah, I know. To some of you, it might be like, Cyrus, I'm about to leave the church. Right? Like, this is a big deal, right? Some things aren't as important to God as other things. And we need to know that because when we talk to Christians about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, we'll match scripture for scripture because every scripture has the same value. So if you have 10 scriptures and I have 10 scriptures, we're, we're even. But it doesn't work that way because some things that God says are more important than other things. And he tells us which things are more important. He actually tells you which ones are more, not every time, but he gives you a guideline in his word about which things are more important than others. We like clarity, and I feel like when we picture God, we picture him, you know, giving out decrees. And he's so powerful and clear that everything he says must be 100%. It has to be the most important thing. If God said it, that's like the most important thing. Like he's not allowed to tell a joke, right? Like he's not allowed to joke with you or just like have a conversation, right? And just say something that's not that important. I mean, sometimes when God... This is something I realized when I was receiving prophetic words, and it was like, you are going to go and teach people. 
right? And God's 100% everything. So it's like, oh my goodness. I am going to be a teacher. And God said it. So that must mean it's going to be a stadium. Right? It's going to be big because it's God. Right? And he was like, you're going to teach your kids. You're going to teach your Bible study. You know that guy that was walking on the street? You're a teacher. And it's so important. But he's got levels in his speech. Sometimes it's actually a little gray. The Bible is not flat. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier things. The weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. It is more important than tithing. Isn't that refreshing to hear a preacher say from a church? There are some things more important than giving the church money. Amen? Amen. Amen. There are some things... Yes, Simeon, you're with me. There are some things that are more important than giving the church money. (laughs) Amen. When we first went into COVID, we said we were okay with people not tithing. Not that we didn't want people to give their money. But we knew that other people needed it and we didn't have a way to know who those people were. So just skip a step. We could use the tithe again, just so you know. I didn't know if that needed to be said officially. Uh, but if it did. Um, and it's actually disdainful to God to get it wrong and spend all of your time on something that's not important. Hypocrites. You're looking at this thing like it's the biggest thing in the world. Love each other. Don't get caught up in less important things. Just because the Bible said it doesn't mean it's the most important thing. We have to think about the priorities. They're all true. You're still supposed to tithe. He didn't say don't tithe your mint. He didn't say that, did he? He just said you're neglecting more important things. You don't have time to tithe your mint. If you have limited time, do the more important thing. Okay, so that's the first point. Some things are more important than others. That's a whole big problem. I just gave you a big problem without a solution. You've got to figure it out. What's the more important thing? Make it more complicated. Some things are more important at different times. Ouch, right? Yesterday that was more important. Today this is more important. Tomorrow another thing is more important. We only get a piece of God's heart at a time. We're so little... You know, it's like our brains. It's like when God teaches you something, it's like, I understand God now. Oh, you know, that's sweet. You know, it's like, do you? I think you saw one little piece of a bigger God. One little piece. We're so weak, it takes us a lifetime to get a glimpse of the grandness of God. He reveals himself slowly for our benefit. And he makes up the difference. It's like, you're coming after me. You don't have to understand me. If we had to understand God, we would be in so much trouble. We just have to seek after him, ponder him like the centurion. We just have to 
think about him and he'll be like, oh my goodness, you're trying. You're trying. That's so beautiful. I'm going to try to surprise you with God. For some of you, it won't be a surprise. I also wanted to talk about tattoos because we're in park and I couldn't have a sermon without talking about tattoos since we're in park now. Amen? Yes. Let's talk about tattoos. Biblical tattoos. Revelation 19. Did you know that Jesus... Anyway, I'm going to let the scripture speak for itself. Revelation 19.11. This is a scripture you want to remember and not tell your kids. Then I saw heaven open... What did I just say? We want to tell them everything about the Bible, but one piece at a time, right? Hi, Simeon. I know you're right there. (laughs) You can hear it. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Revelation 19.11 Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. I'll say that part again. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. So I actually like this. I've read this enough and I've like sat in this enough that it's actually enjoyable to me. But you may be offended. I'm realizing like this is offensive if this is the first time you're hearing this. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on a white horse. On white horses. Oh, it's just amazing. When we get, when we actually get to the end of time, end of this age, there's so much, like, there's more and more evidence. We're going to look like Jesus. He actually starts dressing us like him. We get a white horse. Oh. In the beginning, it's like, you sound like mighty waters. In the end, it's like, the saints sound like mighty waters. We're going to, he's going to actually make us sound like, anyway. Okay, it's just, I love Revelation. From, from his mouth comes a sharp sword. With which, he, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. If you don't believe God is good, this is terrifying. But if you believe God is so good, an iron rod from God is comforting. I want a strong dad. He's my daddy, and I want him to be strong. I don't want to have a weak dad who can't protect me. And here's the the part. And on his robe, and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Jesus has a tattoo. There we go. Thank you. He's riding a white horse dipped in blood and has a tattoo on his thigh with an iron rod and he's coming to rule the nations. Okay, so that's not like the main point of the sermon, but I remember teaching young people about this and one young lady was so offended when we were going through this part of Revelation, she said, that's not the Jesus that I know. I didn't know what to say. I kind of wanted to say, well, you should get to know him. But she said it with, like, offense. And, like, I was wrong. And it's like, well, I don't like that part, so it's not in the Bible anymore. Sorry. Like, I don't agree with that. 
people, we need to get to know Jesus. And different things are important at different times. There is, it's like people are like, well, I don't like that God lets sin be in the world. Are you sure? Because this is how he gets rid of it. People want it both ways, right? They want a God who just cleans up all the sin. And they also want a God that just leaves us alone so that they can sin. Well, if you're praying for God to end sin, this is it. So be careful. On heaven as it is in on earth as it is in heaven. You're praying this. You're praying for a big broom to come and sweep things up. I am so thankful that God's kingly identity is there. And I am so thankful that his mercy identity is there right now. That we are operating right now under something that's so important right now, and that is his graciousness. Please don't interpret his mercy and grace as license that he doesn't care. He cares so much that he's going to come on a white horse with a tattoo and clean it up. But right now he's sitting on his mercy seat and he's, he's watching us and he's like, turn to me. I am gentle. He has different parts of himself emphasized at different times. That's the second point. So the first point, some things in the Bible are just more important than others. Second point, some things are more important at different times. And we need to get to know this Jesus because we're getting closer to that time. And if it's not in our generation, it might be in our next generation or the next generation. And we need to be prepared so that we're not offended. And we don't stand up and say, that's not my Jesus. Because if if you're in that place, it's dangerous. Because he's got eyes of fire. And we want to say, whoa, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. Look at him. He's so beautiful. He's coming to take back the nations. Amen. Third one. So some things are more important. Some things are more important at different times. Third one, some things are more important to different people. We each have our own destiny. This is another one you're probably familiar with. People have different giftings, different assignments, different assignments in different places. But we get so offended by it. It's a beautiful thing to have different assignments. I am so glad that I don't have to do everything. I'm so glad that I have my assignment and that I have to work to be just content that if I do my assignment, the Lord is going to see it and bless me. My assignment is not to fill up Park Theater. I am blessed this morning because my assignment is to do what God tells me to do. So I can look at him in the eye and I can say, Father, you told me. And then I went and I did my best. I did it. I really tried. There are some people, prophets, that have been told, go and prophesy and no one will listen to you. Your assignment is to fail. You have to fail publicly. Amen. And you could go before the Lord and you can say, I failed for you. I failed for you. Jesus died for him. I failed for him. 
but it was so successful. I failed so well. <laughs> failed so beautifully, with no offense. I just, fa- I just got out there and I preached to the leaves and I just failed. Yeah. Amen? Your assignment may be to sleep. Lord, I slept for you. I fell asleep on that couch like you told me to. Amen. I saw the couch. I heard your voice. I did it. I am obedient. Yeah. Amen. Everybody has a different assignment. Sometimes they conflict or we get offended at people who have a different assignment. My assignment is to pray. Well, my assignment is to go and preach. Oh, my assignment is to go out on the street. That's the hardest one. So it's the best one. And you can't just pray because everybody has to do the same thing. Are you their master? It's totally legitimate for some people to become all things to all people, to win a few. And it's totally legitimate to stand on a hill and die and say, I am standing for the truth. And both can be completely wrong if you do it at the wrong time and it wasn't your assignment. You could be up on that hill. I remember, oh, I'll tell this story. I remember when I was a missionary, you know, naive or not, I don't care. I had, a, I had a truth in my heart that I wanted to die for Jesus. I wanted to go and lie in a ditch and I couldn't do it. I had people to love and they didn't want to die in a ditch with me. This is true. This is like touching me right now. I wanted to die for Jesus. Like totally. If I was actually dying for Jesus, I probably would have, I don't know if I'd make it through it. But there was a naive innocence in my wanting to die for Jesus. But if you die for Jesus out of his will, you're doing nothing. I could go to a country, stand in the street and say Jesus and get killed. And Jesus would say, that's not what I wanted you to do. You weren't listening to me. You're being totally disobedient. You did that for yourself. You did that because of pride. It is a privilege to die for Jesus. He has to call you to that privilege. You can't just do it yourself. It's an honor. You get to heaven and there's a special t-shirt for it. You get a, you get a robe for it. You can't just take that robe. You can't go up to God and say, that's my robe. I'm dying for you. You have, to, you have to be in his will. You have to be so saturated in his love that he says it to you and you just, you're just following him and then it happens and it's like, I don't care, Lord. Whatever happens, I'm doing what you want me. Boom, then you get your t-shirt. You get to go to heaven and have your reward. But if you're like, I don't care what you're saying, Lord. I'm going to go get, I am going to go and be a martyr for you. Now, I'm not the judge, right? Like, I don't know what Jesus would do for that and I'm not going to say. Like, there might be a grace. I mean, I really do believe in grace over our you know, being unintelligent and, like, unwise. Like, I believe that he knows we're human and we're almost always in that place. So I don't want to say that you're going to get in trouble for something by being naive about it, but it is a privilege to die for him. One day, one day, So how do we discern anything? There's so much variation. There's so much variation. How do we discern anything? It could be the right thing. It could be the wrong thing. 
I could look at somebody and I have, they're doing something totally different from me and I have no idea whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. So why even try? Why even try? Why not just ask them? Amen. If God just tells you what to do, bless you. I think, though, we're supposed to also love him with all of our mind. We are supposed to think about him. We're supposed to engage in the process. And sometimes he gives us a cheat sheet. And I love it. And let's pray for cheat sheets. Just tell me, Lord. Just tell me what to do. Amen. But when you don't, I am going to study and I'm going to think about you. Amen. Let's, Let's actually try it out. Let's try it out on the Sabbath. Let's just ponder the Sabbath. It's a command. It's like one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. You know, some people are like, God always wants you to rest. He doesn't want you to work. It's actually in the command to rest that you're supposed to work. So I just wanted to say that. One of the strongest commands to work is in the command to have a Sabbath. Let me read it again. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. Are we supposed to labor? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. Yeah, we're supposed to labor. He designed it. And do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath. And to the Lord your God. Okay, so we got this like Ten Commandment. Jesus like loves rest. That's not changing. He doesn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He loves rest. But some things are more important at different times. This is Wilma's scripture, I believe. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful on on the Sabbath. Skip apart. I tell you, some things are greater than the temple here. And if you had known what this means, he was talking about how on the Sabbath they had taken food from the temple when there was an emergency. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy more than sacrifice, Some things are more important than others. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Another place it says it really nicely. Mark 2, 27. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Some things are more important than the Sabbath, and it's Jesus It's made for us. It's not made. But does that mean that rest isn't important? Oh my goodness. No. This is, I think, actually Wilma's, the withered hand. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they may accuse him. They asked him this. He said to them, which one of you who uh, who has a sheep, if it fell in a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it up? The Pharisees got mad. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Jesus values rest, even in the New Testament. Matthew 20, 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and have heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest is his slogan. It's like his ministry. I mean, you could talk about his ministry in a lot of ways, but like rest is one of the main attractions of Jesus, particularly nowadays. How many people come to Jesus because he says, 
Are you lowly in heart? Are you heavy laden? I will give you rest. He's all about rest. It's so important. But it's made unto love. Rest helps us love him. And if it doesn't help us love him, what are you doing? If you're taking a stick and beating people with rest, that's not the design. Don't hate people with rest. It's like, I'm going to take this cabbage patch doll and beat you over the head with it. It's like, it's made to cuddle. That was weird. (laughs) It's not in the notes. Stick to the notes. And rest is more important. So rest is so important. We can't just like say like, oh, well, I read a scripture that says that Jesus doesn't care about rest. Well, I read a scripture that Jesus does care about rest. And it's like, oh, well, we don't know. It's like, it is important. But there's some things that are more important. It's made unto some things. And rest is so important at different times. It's not important all the time. Six days we're supposed to labor. There's something called the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years. They disregarded it completely. But it was so important that they rest. That the Israelites rested for a year every 50 years. There is a season for rest. We just came out of a season of rest in the church. I thought it was going to go all the way to the end of August. It kind of got cut off for me. But because of the park. But like it's like it was a season of rest and we were called to it. That's why I was able to take Sundays off and not... I was like, well, I am actually taking some Sundays off. I'm not going to have a stream every Sunday because I'm called to rest. There are some seasons where it's more important. What about COVID? Let's try it again. Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin skip a bit when the priest when the priest has examined him he shall pronounce him unclean unclean don't touch him it goes on and on and on about everything that is dirty unclean so important It's on God's heart. There's governmental rules. It's like, well, that's not God. Yes, it's God. When you hear the word law in the Old Testament, replace it with ways. God's ways. His ways are clean. He cares about your sicknesses. He cares that that it's not contagious. He wants you to protect yourself. It's so important. When he had a nation where he could make rules, he decided to keep them safe. He decided to keep them safe as a governmental rule. And it probably didn't make sense to them. It was like teaching somebody about germs without them even knowing what a germ is. It's like, I don't know, God told me to. I don't get it. It actually makes more sense as we gain more knowledge. Science backs up God's ways. Of course, it's unclean. He cares. He wants it to be a law. He wants it to be us to be careful. It's valuable. But then in the New Testament, he says something else. The disciples didn't wash their hands. 
And they get upset. The Pharisees are upset. You didn't wash your hands before you ate. Jesus says, hear and understand, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out that defiles a person. Some things are more important than others. Some things are unclean on leprous skin is less important than the uncleanness in your heart. Some things are more important at different times. There are times when we have to be careful about being clean, and there are times when we don't have to be as careful. When we went to India, I didn't wear a seatbelt. Nobody had seatbelts. You're hanging on to a pole. If I want to be in India, I can't wear a seatbelt. But now if I don't wear a seatbelt, I hear a chorus in the van. Ta-da! <laughs> I wear a seatbelt. Some things are more important at different times, including cleanliness. Mother Teresa was called to the unclean. She was called to walk into those situations and touch them. Am I going to go up to Mother Teresa and say, what are you doing? Didn't you hear the like, Old Testament laws about the cleanliness? That's her calling. Some people at different times are called to this. Is Jesus care about cleanliness? Cleanliness was his mission. We wash ourselves in his innocence. He came to clean the whole world. But he came to clean us. His mission wasn't physical cleanliness. His mission was cleanliness from the inside out. Inside out. We're supposed to wash ourselves in his blood. So does that mean that we don't have to wash our hands? Oh my goodness, no. It's just less important than your soul. It's less important than that person's salvation. It's less important than that person's healing. But is it not important? No, it's so important. When Jesus touched people, it was a sign of acceptance and love. Sometimes when you touch the sick, it's a sign that you love them and the power of God. Sometimes when you touch the sick, it's a sign that you don't care about them. I don't love you. I'm going to touch you even though you don't want me to. It doesn't matter what you're, like, whether you're doing. It matters whether it's love. Is it love? Let's not get superficial here. Love is more important than washing your hands. And sometimes you wash your hands to love. Okay. So what I want you to hear from this is almost nothing about you. Some of you might be coming from here and saying, Cyrus really preached at me. Some of you might be saying, Cyrus really preached for me. I don't know where you're, what you heard, but I didn't do that on purpose. So what you heard was from the Holy Spirit, not from me. Because what I'm trying to say is that each person, at each time, something new is more important. And I don't want to get in between you and your master. But I don't want you to ignore your master. I want you to discern. Not just do what feels good. I want you to discern 
I want you to think about the Lord. I want you to get into the Lord's heart for in general about cleanliness, in general about the Sabbath, in general about where you're driving after this. I want you to get into the Lord's heart about where you're supposed to do at what time. Just because you're not supposed to wear a mask doesn't mean that you're not supposed to wear a mask all the time. You need to, you need to face your maker. Not me. I am trying to love. And as a church, we're getting clarity that for us, healing is more important right now. Our priority is not standing for the truth about whatever COVID is and taking a position. Our position is healing. That's our position. We want to be a church where we're healing people and making them feel safe and welcome. So they can come here and be healed. And that's our best knowledge right now of our own discernment of this. Can I call the worship team back up? I don't want today to be a lesson where it's like God told me, sorry, Cyrus told me about all these things that I need to know. I want today to be an inspiration. I want today to be an encouragement for you to go and ponder God. I didn't just ponder God for you. I want this to be an emphasis on how you need to go and ponder God for yourself. How we need to ponder God as a community. Who is God for me, for us? for this church right now. What is he calling us to become? What is he calling us to do? And I hope it's not a tattoo. <laughs> Ephesians 1.16 I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. May that be a blessing for each of us. Amen.